Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Dive into leadership with Dr. Kara Miller. This week, find out what's inhibiting you from maximizing your capacity to lead people towards success. However, you can't have this conversation about guidance without exploring how the power dynamic plays into it. Find out what you can do as a business owner, a coach, a team captain, or parent to get the desired results from your respective communities. Spoiler, if your leadership style is to seek obedient people, the growth of the project and goal will only suffer. The struggle is real, and as it turns out, the struggle is actually a good thing. This is episode 248. Our Athlete Nation, what is up? This is Luke. You're with also Texas. And we are in my kitchen today because it's 36 degrees in central Texas. That's how it works out. Ladies and gentlemen... What you are about to hear is an unfiltered Luke and Tex discussion with a special guest because John Wellborn isn't here to talk over us, cut us off, and, and tell the same tell stories. the same stories over and over well, again. If, He's not here to ask any ladies out in the audience. Well, we if they're just, interested yeah, in no, being no, Texas date to my wedding. I was going to highlight that we were mentioned <laughs> in Australia's Men's Health uh, yeah. Magazine as one yeah. of the premier podcasts ever. Yeah, you know... They didn't stop at just strength and conditioning. Slight typo in their article. Only one ing, not the ing hyphen ing hyphen ing. <laughs> oh, you got to type the echo. <laughs> yeah, or people don't understand that the, echo, the echo's not implied yet. And once it is, that's when you know you've made it as a podcast, when your echoes are implied. Which they are with our like our, our strong followers, our, you know, our cult followers, our parents, right? Yeah. So we, we were in, uh, let's see, Words with Oz. What else we got? Mind Muscle Project. Mm-hmm. So... Australia-based podcasts, and then they featured us. There you go. That's that is a we are worldwide strength and conditioning people. Hey, and while while we're talking about strength and conditioning, I think we're in the midst of the CrossFit Games Open. Open. No, CrossFit Open. Open. I know what it is. I'm just seeing if you knew what it was. (laughs) But ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard already, you need to check out what we have going on with our CrossFit Games open warm-ups. I mean, where do we want to point them, Tex? We can point them to the free warm-up clinic. It's online. But free warm-up clinic at the Power Athlete Academy, pahq.co slash pa-academy. Or, or you can head to, where are we putting this? Well, we got a direct link, pa HQ. I don't know. .co slash 2018 and warmups. Yes. Kelly, cut that out. 2018. Tell them to go to powerathletehq.com slash CrossFit open. And that is where you'll find a link to sign up for those warmups, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't want to blab on and on about that, but I'm going to. Because here's the thing. You're just putting your clients who this is their test. This is their game day. This is their one competitive season, unless you organize inbox throwdowns and things like that. But this is a big opportunity to put their training to a test. And you're going to put them into the ring cold to get knocked out cold. Because even though you are well-intentioned, if you are a coach, you mean to warm your people up. You haven't done the hours upon hours upon shit, days, months of just immersive research 
that Tex McQuilkin has. And application. Yeah, and put it to the test. With sports ranging from stickball and field sports to in the box, putting people through warm-ups and, and watching them. 2016 CrossFit Games athlete Christy Atkins. No big deal. So people, game day preparation is a real thing. And if you're literally doing the same warm-ups you do day in, day out, mud va- mundane, just mind-numbing type of fucking get the heart rate going, you're doing it wrong. You have an opportunity here to really to unlock the competitive beast inside of your clients do it and hey maybe you're just a guy or gal who's training for the warm-up uh the crossfit open why not just get a set of warm-ups that get you going get your mind right and let you pull the ripcord and go and a free online class to help you understand yeah so we can give you the keys just to apply it but then we give you i guess pull back the curtain and unveil our perspective for preparation but ladies and gentlemen enough Enough about that and us. Let's get in to our guest for today. Uh, we have Kara Miller on, who was we were introduced to from one of our previous guests, a two-timer, maybe a three-timer, Logan Gilbert, good friend of ours, king of social media, great social media account. I mean, unmatched in the industry, right? Which one? He's got like six. That's the question. <laughs> He's everywhere at once. I don't know how he does it. I'll tell you, his social media game exploded when Instagram didn't force you to sign out before you switched accounts. That's uh-huh. when we really saw him take off. <laughs> <laughs> so Kara Miller is here. Uh, she is Hi. Logan's, she is Logan's uh, social media coach. <laughs> <You're> wrong. <laughs> no, Kara, I mean, look at my Insta to know that that's not true. <laughs> I, I got, I got a laundry list of things here. Uh, developmental coach, adaptive consultant, organizational designer for complexity, growth and performance. All that stuff sounds great, but I, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know, know what it means. Can you help us and our listeners understand who are you? Where'd you come from? And what is it you say you do here? Here, here on this planet. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> this, this flatter. Here in this moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, yeah, no, I'm, you know what? I am a regular friend, daughter, wife, parent. Um, so I'm in, I live in Southern California. I'm from San Diego. I'm a, second generation native. So my kids are third generation native San Diego. If you've ever been here, you know that that's like big source of pride. Um, and yeah, I, um, I say when I'm on an airplane, so I was on an airplane yesterday, long airplane flight. I get on the airplane. There's a guy next to me. He's probably 68, maybe 70. He's reading a paper that looks like it came off of like a beautiful mind, right? There's algorithms and mathematic problems and like all kinds of symbols and stuff or whatever. And I look over there and I'm like, wow, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) And he looks over at me and he's like, how you doing? I'm like, good. And he goes, well, what do you do? So I had the chance to answer this question when I'm looking at his paper thinking, you know, I said, I just, I love leaders and I work with leaders. And he was like, cool. I love numbers. I work with numbers. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm looking at your paper there and you're kind of blowing my mind. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm looking at leaders right now and you're kind of blowing my mind. And I'm like, ah, touche. Like (laughs) we have a leadership problem in the world. And so, um, you know, when you say here and I say, do you mean the planet? Like, I mean, I'm being sarcastic, but, um, you know, we do have an issue with leadership. And, um, and so, 
you know, fortunately for me or unfortunately, uh, we have a lot of leaders who need coaching and um, a lot of coaches that need to learn leadership. And so, um, you know, it's either the most fertile time to talk about coaching and leadership in the world right now, um, or it's, it's really the most difficult and explosive mm-hmm. time to talk about leadership and coaching in the world right now and how we use power how we understand our own, you know, sense of authority and power and leadership roles that we are given um, or that we take up. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't mean to get like too serious too fast, but um, I love coaching leaders and I love studying leadership. And um, I think it's really, it's really timely thing for us right now. Um, that's my, my big contribution to the world, I think. So what, uh, what energy and stuff, so. when you say you're working with leaders, give us some examples and our listeners, some examples of, I don't know if it's, it would be like the job role or, you know, with, with whatever boundary you can stay within, I'm not mm-hmm. sure in terms of confidentiality or whatever, but so who are the type of people who come to you and look for your guidance and coaching? Well, one of them, you know, um, that's Logan. And, um, so I could start with him as an example because you guys know him and, um, maybe your listeners have a feel for who he is. Um, he is the like ideal type of person, um, that like, you know, lights up all of my engines and all of my gifts and strengths and excitement, um, because he was someone who was looking to expand his capacity. So um, he already had stellar capacity to do what he was doing to perform at high levels. And when I met him, um, you know, I was his professor and he was a college student and he was performing at elite levels in athletics. He was also performing at elite levels in in academics. And so um, I could tell he wanted to take both of those games to another level. And um, so developing the capacity to get bigger um, you know, inside of yourself, inside of your mindset and, um, is what enables you to get bigger and grow your capacity in any of those things, whether it be physical performance or academic performance, um, relationships, um, things be able to tolerate anxiety, to understand when things are ambiguous, you don't have an answer. Um, so, you know, when somebody wants to get bigger in a holistic sense and grow their capacity, um, then, you know, I'm the gal and, um, and that's been spurred on, you know, by people who have understood that about me, um, that I needed to, if I was going to change the scope of my own leadership, my own voice and, um, you know, opportunities that I would need to grow in in my own capacity to do that. And, um, and they were able to support me in, in the right ways. Um, so that's my, you know, that's my sort of special niche and the mm-hmm. thing that I feel like is my big contribution. Um, and I just love doing it. The so relationships is it, is it are business, awesome. Are business like, owners, the folks who are coming to you, is it individuals? Is it fathers, mothers? Is, are they professors, instructors, coaches, all, all of those, those things? Um, okay. I would say mostly it's business folks. And that's most, that's primarily because that industry or that side of our society is more used to having a coach 
So they say, you're going to lead more people. You need more capacity. So we'll get you a coach or you're going to earn more revenue. You're going to get a bigger sales target or big, you're going to open up a business or something. Okay. Well, you need a coach to get you there. Um, you know, in sports, obviously in performance, you know, physical performance, this has been around for a long time. I think business learned it from all y'all. Um, and other industries are just beginning to understand this. So, um, so no, I, I've never coached any professors, which is kind of funny because I would really, I mean, I would totally understand their game. Um, but you know, I think higher education like hasn't figured that out yet. Um, they're not willing to pay for it yet. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we're taking a crack at it, but, um, but yeah, so I have sort of like usually CEOs, COOs, um, you know, CFOs, people who have, you know, increasing targets basically. And, um, and then people who are looking to increase their targets. So right. it's either people who have already been expected to do that, or they're looking to do that. So Is someone it, like Logan, you know, he's like always looking to grow the target. Like mm-hmm. it's the, the bigger thing, the next thing, the co- bigger capacity, grander scale, all of that. Um, and some people just get given it. And they're really fortunate if they get given someone like me to support them in that. Cause mm-hmm. you know, you don't just, you know, show up to a new job or a new scope and then it's like the capacities just arrive with you. Um, so, so it's nice like, to have a companion on the journey. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to start there. It's, it's always nice to have that, that coach, that direction. And mm-hmm. where did your kind of spark to study leadership begin? So was it a coach? Was it a, you were in a leadership position and uh, made a mistake or, or had uh, something you couldn't overcome and you had to dig deeper? Where did your kind of research in leadership begin? I like the question because you asked me if it was from a failure um, you know, from a success or a failure, I guess is what I heard in your question. And, um, I think failures and negative feedback are great places to learn about leadership. Um, so it's not always this like positive trajectory, but it's, it's, it's a reflective one. Um, and the shorter that we can bring our reflection to the moment, even in a moment of failure, the faster we capture the learning and integrate it to get better. And you guys know that about physical performance. I mean, this is such a quick translation for you and people who are interested in listening to you guys, you know? Um, but yeah, I, um, when I was a young person, I, um, felt really challenged around, uh, the role of women and leadership. So, um, where, where I had a voice or where I didn't, um, and, Um, and that encouraged me early on to take a look at, so, you know, how do I find voice? How do I use voice? Um, and if I feel like I have a sense of my own authority, um, you know, how do I, how do I use that and assert that in the world? Um, so I had some early experiences of, of, um, of, of being shut down, um, and, getting to take a look at, you know, whether I wanted to build my own capacity or whether I wanted to, you know, diminish or, um, or shrink. And, um, so as you can guess which one I chose, you know, it was not the easier, it was not the easier road, (laughs) but, um, in thinking about the fact that I have two daughters, um, you know, this, this was the, this was the right like trail to, to push through. And, 
So, um, so yeah, so adversity, resistance, um, those things came early for me, um, around leadership and, um, and so I, Kara, do you mind sharing what those moments were? Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I come from a religious background and, um, early in my schooling, we were having a discussion about, uh, teaching and who is authorized to teach. Um, and, you know, my, my mom is actually a pastor in my, my growing up church. And, um, so that seemed really totally normal to me. Um, and yet I had a, um, I had a teacher who was teaching that women, um, could not teach men. And, um, and so, you know, first off in my mind is we'll hold on because my mom teaches men. So like that, that is a challenge to my own experience of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started to think more about it, um, I had already had experiences of wanting to be a teacher and wanting to have a voice. Um, and, um, and so I challenged that in the moment and I did that in a pretty immature way. Um, and I ended up getting an invitation to the, uh, the headmaster's office. Um, the good news is when I got there, um, you know, he was like-minded and could sit with me and actually process the moment for me. Um, you know, what do you do when someone's belief system or someone's worldview directly challenges your capacity to use your own gifts and to have your own voice in the world? Um, that small lesson, um, which could be blamed on like religion or, you know, a, you know, ignorant teacher or the generation he came from or whatever, um, I think that small skill translated out into a really large, um, experience of a lifetime, um, is good for anybody to learn. Like what, where's my voice? What's my authority? Who should listen to me? Why should they, who do I want to be in the world? And, um, and what's the legacy that I want to lead and teach? Um, versions of that happened over the years, people giving me feedback, um, you know, that I was, um, too young, um, to be in the roles that I was in. Um, and you know, I just used it as like positive resistance. I mean, it was, it was a negative experience emotionally. Um, but I used it as positive resistance. So, you know, we use resistance to train our bodies to get stronger. And I think leaders really wise and smart and effective leaders, they use resistance to make their leadership stronger. Um, and so, that fascinated me by the time I was at the end of my undergraduate studies. Um, I decided I wanted to do more studying. I had a professor who was really influential um, in my life. He, um, he loved sort of my, the next version of me. Um, I knew he could see that. And um, I, I, I have that feeling now about my children, about the people that I coach, about my students. It's easy now for me to love, like, love them now and love the next version of them that they are becoming. And um, that's a powerful way to teach and lead leadership. So, you know, I know we're headed into that question, but um, that would be the first thing that I experienced was people who could see the next version of me and love it um, and sit with me in the difficult moments right now before (laughs) I ever got there. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> and our last guest, Melissa Schilling, NYU professor, 
great book. I'll uh, I'll link you up with her. Awesome. Fantastic guest. And she was more in line with innovators, researching innovators versus leaders. And so a lot of her research okay. was looking back on uh, innovators, influential people that changed history and how we uh, look at different things. So I'm curious, does your research look at people or do you look at processes? Mm. So I'm going to cheat and say both because um, when people... That is the correct answer. Yes, that's right. Right on. (laughs) Yes. Um, When people get together, they become the process of leadership. So um, leadership, I believe, is an exercise um, and no pun. I mean, all puns intended with you guys, right? Um, (laughs) Leadership is an exercise and it's an endurance and, um, and it is, it's a process in the space between people when they gather up and try to do something together. And, um, and when people step in and influence that process, um, that's, that's leadership. So, um, I don't, I don't speak about leadership as a role that, um, there are, there are leadership roles indeed, but they're not sort of formal titles, um, that we can lead sort of from anywhere. Um, we're certainly finding that now in our sort of social climate that, um, that there are people trying to lead from the bottom up, trying to change things from, you know, the sides and around and, um, because our formal leaders are, you know, having a hard time getting, getting the things done that we really care about. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so as far as leadership, um, in my experience, it's most effective when there's a relationship that's built in to the exercise of leadership. So when we understand, um, you know, what you're about, what I'm about, the things that we care, you know, that we really care deeply about what we're trying to achieve together and the ways that we want to do that. Um, sometimes that gets called culture inside of an organization. That's kind of a popular way to say it. But, um, but if you understand leadership as the process between people who are trying to achieve something together um, and that they organize around that, that's the kind of leadership that I like to study and talk about. Those are the kind of leaders that, um, that I think become the most effective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, anyone who's, I guess, not anyone, I can't use those firm terms, text. Okay. It's, it's a fixed mindset. <laughs> but for there's an opportunity for folks who played team sports to see Mm -hmm. that come to life. And even, even as goofy as like peewee football and little league, like every kid has their game where all of a sudden everyone's rallying around you and whether or not you realize it or not, like you've become, you've become the proverbial leader. Right. And, uh, and, and it shows just that, that taxonomy, because you obviously have the coach and like, let's get into professional sports. You have the administrate, like, administration leads the business side of things, but in the actual like meat and potatoes of how this thing shakes, everyone's had that opportunity. And, uh, and you know, there's, I'm trying to think if it was Andy at the symposium because he had a lot leadership was at the symposium last year was a lot of, uh, was a common theme. Right. Uh And, uh, you know, I, I like how he puts, he puts, he put leadership, in a very simple, he's like, there's no, there's no types of leader. There's good leadership and there's bad leadership. Right. And that's, yeah. it might be oversimplifying, right. Because it, it dismisses a process or a culture that one mm-hmm. has to create. But I, I can't, I can't help but think that it's also not a finite state. Like there, you know, it's a fluid stream of events and like, 
that that leadership influences, right? And I guess yes. So when you th- and I, I feel like the term too. Maybe I'm 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 a I'm an, a cornucopia of emotions is what these guys call me. It's a lazy Susan, but it's like I I feel like <laughs> I feel like leadership is just can be so fucking cliche sometimes. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And like people capitalize on it, and I just can't help but think of like that movie. What was the movie uh, text with The Rock and Marky Mark, where they become con men's, and it's like, do be a doer. Pain and gain. Pain and gain. Don't be a donter. <laughs> like people, why are people so susceptible to this idea of like a quick fix and step up and follow this process to be a leader in the moment? And versus like, uh, like maybe it's probably cause it's boring and doesn't sell like, Hey, it's a process. It's a journey you need to develop to grow your band. You know, you need to stress to progress, but is that in your experience? I guess I'll pitch it off to you, Kara. I'm kind of word barfing, but you kind of see where my thread's going here. I do. Um, leadership becomes a much serious, much more serious subject really fast when you actually realize that leadership is really an exchange of power to do things and power to influence the way things happen. Um, and so power, the exchange of power, you know, um, between you and I, between you know, systems between groups of people, um, that, that becomes like the sticky, it kind of like makes you sit up a little straighter and be like power. Is that what we're dealing with here? Like the mm-hmm. difference of between the way someone uses their power or their influence, um, you know, which I, I think you're getting at with the like mm-hmm. good and bad leadership stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all know coaches that use their power for good things and, and ones that abuse their power. And I guess it's kind of um, like wealth, right? You know, some people see yep. money and they get this lust and, uh, I don't know. It becomes a selfish, like a self-fulfilling goal to get more money just to, I don't fucking know, man. I mean, I, power is the, is the like darker version of that. Money is easier to talk about. I think it's harder for people to say like, I think that person is like on a, on a trip or mm-hmm. on a power trip, literally. Um, that they're trying to amass power or power makes them feel good power over others and good leadership as I have, you know, tried to study it and understand it and observe it and practice it is power with others. And that when we share power, um, we actually get more accomplished and it does, it grows people, it grows communities and it makes more things possible. Mm-hmm. but power is a difficult conversation. Um, I guess I'm know. just honest. I'm so powerful. It doesn't really affect me. Yeah. You are out of it for sure. <laughs> You're outside of it. Well, You're um, all sorted. You know, we're all here for text text. We're here for an intervention, bro. Then, then let's get into Surprise. it. I've been, I've been reflecting, I guess, on my athletic career. And then there's, I, I just view power and leadership in business as different from athletics. Why? Because okay. as a team captain, you didn't have any power. What we decide the coin toss heads or tails. Like yeah, that was the extent of it. Uh, I didn't, um, I didn't call practices. It was maybe first in line for warmups, but then last in line for freaking meals. I don't know, but there was no power with that position. Mm, see, Tex, I don't think you're aware of the shadow you cast my friend. Right. Okay. Let's, let's, this is an intervention. Let's go. I, I think uh, a team captain does have influence, like influence, but it, it it was the decided direction of the team. We're going to do this. 
We. Right. But that's not power. Mm. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I... I, I <laughs> Sounds took, like you're I, power hungry. Maybe I took it for granted because I was, uh, I was um, assigned, it was uh, handed by mm-hmm. the coach. It was decided yeah. by the coach, not the team. And it was, um, we are going to do this. And I was not the most talented person. But then on yeah, the question, yeah, obviously, hardest. yeah, yeah, I'm not an athlete. I, okay, just... so let me make an uh, observation. Do it. So first of all, look at your T-shirt. I know that people won't be listening, won't be able to see, but look at your T-shirt, Tex. Mm-hmm. Tex okay, is so adorning. It says, the, it says power. Yeah, power yeah. athlete, right? <laughs> so, and ladies and gentlemen, this is the original power athlete shirt circa 2009, 2010. <laughs> that is out awesome. of production. Printed on a dark heather gray tri-blend tee. It's glor- It's beautiful. <laughs> it's my favorite. There's always favorite. room for a plug. <laughs> it's vintage. Oh, yeah, this is vintage. You can get it on eBay. There, uh, there, is a sh- there is a market on eBay for old CrossFit football shirts. Anyway, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Kara. Kara, go ahead. But I think, I mean, I love the question and the resistance, right? Because it's going to make this now better too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and push around. So I'm going to push around on the example you just gave. So um, first off, I mean, the fact that you have power on your shirt, that the brand that you represent is, is power athlete. I mean, the whole thing, right? Like you're working with power. So mm-hmm. I understand the, you know, the physical expression of it, um, but you guys have a lot of power in, you know, your listenership and how wide, like what you guys talk about, you know, gets out. Um, and so, you know, I'd encourage you to think about, you know, what power you guys, you know, do have and that you're always, that you're working with, you know, continually. Um, interestingly, um, the power on the team, um, you know, if the coach gave you that role of captain, which, you know, I've been given that role before too, right? Like the captain of a team. Um, if the team does not feel like they want your influence, what happens? Have you ever seen that happen? Uh, I guess I've seen that happen from a, a coach's perspective. And it was just one bad season when I was coaching D3 <sighs> lacrosse. We were like two and 10. It was bad. It just, uh, cancer. Nobody got along. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. And I think the team knows like what to do with a good leader or with someone who's willing to take up their power well. And the team doesn't know what to do with someone who can't like take up their power or lead well. And, um, you know, on one of the teams that I was on, I watched people sort of overthrow the person who'd been given the leadership and they didn't do it in a formal way. It wasn't a formal, you know, the the coach had given the role and we were all supposed to get with it and, um, and it didn't work. And it's because the, the people have to agree to confer and let you use power with them. I mean, they actually share their power with you. So leaders who get in to a position like that, whether they've been hired in it or whether they've been just given it, um, you know, if they come in with their power to like put it on people, you know, the, the system, the team, the whatever, it doesn't respond well. It usually doesn't cooperate well, yeah, but it, if someone capable comes in with power and shares it, distributes it and asks for it in exchange, like, will you, you know, offer me your power and I will use it well. Um, that's when things, that's when leadership happens. And so I imagine that that's what you were doing, even though you didn't totally realize it, but that yeah, you I guess, to do that. Yeah. Just reflecting from 
player to then coach. Mm-hmm. I felt it was the way. This is what we're going to do. But then I was in a coaching position, and I guess I couldn't understand why they didn't want to win. Why won't you do this? And I, uh, I guess I was too young to, um, I don't know, I guess teach teach leadership or put them in a position to take ownership mm-hmm. versus just, uh, I guess, trying to maintain my role as a player. Yes. It's really tempting to like hoard up power and then like put it on people and be like, go, go, go. Um, when really the invitation is to let go of power and invite people to bring, to bring their power. Um, that's real ownership, ownership over what you asking them to own what you want to do is a pretty standard form of leadership. It doesn't work well um, unless there's threats that people are trying to avoid, right? Like losing their job or losing a spot or something like that. But when you come in and say, will you share your power with me? I'll use it for good. I'll actually give it back to you so that we can accomplish something. Magical things happen when a leader can do that. Can Okay, let's go to the former, which was use your power to get someone to do something, something on your agenda, right? Did I, mm-hmm. is that a, can that be a tool to identify personality traits? Uh, what, t- how your employee or teammate or, uh, you know, subordinate, I guess, would, would that be the global term, how they respond to it? Or does it, is it just like a ticking time bomb? Well, so if I understand you right, what you're asking is, will they obey you? Maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because they'll show you what you are wanting them to demonstrate. Like if you're looking for obedience, you may find people who are obedient. But who the fuck wants obedient people on their team? That would be the test is like... Not me. Yeah, yeah. They don't grow me. They don't challenge me. They don't make the system better. Mm -hmm. Obedient people are like a waste of like growth space, growth Mm -hmm. energy, right? Like, so with that um, said, okay. And I, I think that's, if you want savage growth, you don't Mm -hmm. want obedient people. That's what I would say. And that's, that's what I'm kind of getting at too. And I'll, I like, I'll hit texts on certain subjects, which I know are way outside his wheelhouse. Right. So he's just like, why (laughs) are you even asking me this? And I'll be like, push back on me. Like, Give me like push back, and I think that it, you know. And previous, and this is probably like the fourth time I fucking have brought this up on this podcast. Sorry, regular <laughs> listeners, but I think it triggers great discussion, you know. And and it's how we work off one another's strengths as well is to just kind of automatically disagree, but and then it allows I've, you to kind of work peripherally around the point you're trying to make and grow a breadth of understanding. And I, I'm just curious if that approach could work in the leadership dynamic, because ultimately within the complement to leadership is following, right? And not to be confused with obedience either. Am I on something or way off? I think that's the, that's been the next version of leadership is mm-hmm. not necessarily just obeying, but then becoming an active follower. But I'm going to raise it again and say, like, in the evolution of understanding leadership, what we really want to do is exercise leadership together. So this is a collective activity. So, um, you know, that requires more coordination, cooperation, a lot of complexity. Um, you know, we, we get a lot of anxiety when someone doesn't tell us what to do or what's expected. If someone tells us that, we know how to achieve. If they withhold that and say, let's see what emerges. Let's try to all get better together. We get some anxiety, but 
that anxiety grows our, you know, muscles basically, um, as far as like tolerance and growth and just reaching higher. Um, so I'll, I'll offer the next level. I mean, followership is very popular. You'll find a lot of books on that. A lot of people teaching that, um, you know, or servant leadership, people who are like, Hey, my, my needs are subordinate to yours or let's all be subordinate to something else or something like that. But, um, but there's a lot of work, you know, and, uh, you know, Logan and I talk a lot about this because the sort of the edges of leadership right now are around how people lead each other together, like next level. And what's required to do that is a lot of work to, you know, understand one another and try to understand what's going on. It's a lot of awareness. It's a lot of attention. Um, it just it requires a lot of like, badassery (laughs) that people aren't necessarily willing to take on. It's easier to say, Hey, I'm the leader. You're the follower. Next time you can be the leader and I'll be the follower. And we'll just exchange it like this rather than saying like, we have a lot of power here and can we be in it together? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of more, it's more transactional that way too, versus like transformational and emotional. And then you, you fucking get emotionally invested and then you fuck it up and then people are gutted and they don't see, I guess the next version going into the version analogy is that you come out. The the objective is, and this was a big talk, a big point of Andy's talk at the symposium again is just failure is eminent. Right. And it's, it's best to fail and learn from it because one day it's going to be, you know, and his, he's a uh, former Navy SEAL. So 17 year veteran in in the SEALs, you know, uh, okay. So their leadership style, I don't know if he talked a lot about that, but their leadership style is like totally next level, right? Mm -hmm. Like they understand one another's moves to such an extent Mm -hmm. that they don't need anybody shouting at them, right? They don't need to get back on their play card. Like, Oh, what's my play? My next play. No, no, no. It's all here. And in between them, they work like a web. They're like a network Mm -hmm. system Mm -hmm. and they move like a network system. They, they flux, they, they change. They, you know, they're totally fluid that way Mm -hmm. because they know each other they know the mission. They're, they all, it's shared ownership. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, when they come back, they answer all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and- that's different for the military, right? They exist like sort of like next level outside the military that way. And it's, I guess, a pretty good representation of teams because yeah. they, they have the common goal and I guess they'll, they'll get together after uh, an event or a mistake or a, a training. Yes. And then decide what the appropriate action is versus, I guess, one person telling them the way mm-hmm. they decide, which is cool. Um, and you talk to some of those guys. I mean, their experience of their their human like relationships with each other is just beyond. I mean, the like even just to use the word like intimacy or something is just like it's that's not even appropriate enough because they're so dialed into one another and to what they're doing and Mm -hmm. who it's on behalf of and who they're for the sake of. And like, that's, I mean, they're just such high performing individuals because of that. They've, they've tapped into something that's like between humans. And, um, that's the kind of leadership that I like to study. And I think that's the kind of leadership that makes the great, interesting things happen in the world. It's much harder, um, much more exposure. Yeah. Kara, have you read the book? culture code 
It's kind of um, No, I've heard of it though. Dan Coyle, who wrote yes. the Talent Code, it's his. Yes. It's his latest book. Yeah. And he went into SEALs. He went into the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, talks about uh, leadership as a culture versus uh, a, a peak an individual. Um, yep. That's where we're headed, you guys. Well, I think it's. Listen, I don't know anything. Let me just start. Let me preface it. Oh, but I think of you're like, playing dumb. <laughs> I'm just a guy. Fun. Okay, let's try this. I'm one a on. guy who talks to really <laughs> smart gals and guys on this podcast, and just okay. I just repeat what they say. Okay, but from my experience, and you know, I hear I hear a lot. Uh, we've been working with some of the NSW guys and Dev Group guys, so we got like it's kind of a recency thing for us, and then. Um, but I just can't help but think of going like going on and traveling and doing seminars. And it's a microcast, it's a it's a repeating seminar that Tex and I would travel on. But we we both have had immersed ourselves into this thing. I mean, it is pure immersion as you try to really become the best version, like the best at this thing. And it's like an obsession when you don't know. And we lean on each other a lot for feedback. And what comes out the other end is exactly that web movement. Like you can just look at a guy and see where that they're lost and they don't like you give a hand signal or something and it brings them back on track. It's just, so I think when it comes into that, it it is a big buy-in thing as well. And it takes me back further to my corporate gig when we had this, I was immersed in just obsessed with this project I was on. And um, it was ultimately the reason I pulled the ripcord someone got placed in over me in a position uh-huh. that I was, I was promised. And this person had a, a track record of just being a Turkey, a Turkey, a donkey, oh, nice. a succubus. <laughs> and sure enough, like I, like, and it was, I look back and realize it was two sided because I felt slighted and I had resentment, but there was nothing that person could have done. Nothing they could have done to get me to comply in my mind that's a fixed mindset text, unless, uh, you know, I, I would have been shocked. And it was ultimately the reason why I got out of that environment. It was just like, man, this isn't a team. This isn't, I have no influence here. This culture is just transactional. I want to go work at somewhere where I, I count and I matter. And that's where I was going to get into the gym business and ultimately did. And then went, ended up working for John and here we are now. But, um, I guess going back to it, uh, I guess that's buy-in, isn't it? immersion, buy-in, passion, you know, those things are important within that culture or dynamic to make that work. It, but that happened almost uh, intrinsically. Mm-hmm. So my, 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 what I really want to get into, Kara, is teaching leadership. So there's studying and then there's teaching. And uh, we know this from a strength and conditioning perspective. It's our mission to freaking go down the wormhole and come out the other end and just give people what they need. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? with us for leadership right now, right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, the wormhole is a place where I live and um, it's the place where I go with people that I coach and that I teach. And the way that I do that is I think what you're hinting at, which is um, real life scenario. So if this no longer becomes theory, Um, now it becomes practice. And so, you know, yes, we need theory. Theory helps us explain what we see in the world and what patterns are there and, you know, what works. Whatever, great, awesome. That's your whiteboard. 
like, you know, I've seen you guys teaching on the whiteboards and your like clips and stuff, right? It's full of all kinds of awesome theory and, you know, instruction and stuff. Okay. But then to sit down and actually understand what does it feel like to do this under pressure? What does it feel like to do this when, when I'm experiencing pain or resistance, or I have to get Um, I have to move into a relational place where I've never been before, or I have to ask people to offer me their power, or I have to lay mine down. Um, Okay, those are the crucibles where leadership gets practiced. So, so one way to do that um, would have been, you know, if I had been with you when you were, you know, experiencing this job issue, right? Like you have somebody put in over you and you think to yourself, you know, fixed mindset, like, I can't work with this dude. Like, I just can't do it. Like if he were different, I would be different. Um, And I would start to poke around into that and say, okay, so this is all about him. And like, if you had a different person, you would be a different person. So, um, you know, what does that sound like to you? That that you, the way that you are, is totally dependent on the people around you. Um, You know, is that who you want to be? Does that feel sturdy to you? You know, does that feel like the way? Um, it certainly doesn't feel like a wormhole, right? It feels like more like a whirlpool, right? Like you don't want to be there. Um, and and so that's that's where I would take an individual leader. That's also where I've taken classrooms of students who come saying, I want to influence my peers. And so I say, I want you to do that too. Um, so now you guys are in charge of this class session. So let's go, let's do it. You're going to write the syllabus. You are going to lead our sessions um, and basically called their bluff to say, here you go. Here's your opportunity to lead your peers. And every single time the students look at me and say, but you're the professor. Like you have to tell us what to do. We can't tell each other what to do. Or one tries to lead and nobody allows it. Right. Or it becomes factions. Or I mean, the whole world of problems that show up when Humans get up, gather, you know, they all show up in some sort of like configuration in a classroom. So we try to lead each other and we goof it up and um, we think it's so easy. If someone gives us like the perfect opportunity, you know, with the perfect team, like the perfect leader, you know, like we're going to be great. And it's like, good luck finding that because I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it built in the finest organizations and the most intentional teams and the most, you know, it's just not built. We need all the supports. We need all the failures. And the more that all of us buy into doing that together, the better off we are. Um, I just read an article actually um, in USA Today about the team development and character coach that the Patriots have hired. You heard of this? Nope. Okay. He travels with the team. He's with them all the time. And his only job is to develop the team, to pay attention to character issues pay attention to relationship issues, pay attention to their home life, their professional life, their interior life. Um, it's fascinating. Just look it up. It's, I just read it. USA Today, Bill Belichick just hired this guy to follow the team. I think he used to be like a chaplain or something. Now he's completely focused on character and team development. Mm. And, um, and I think that's fascinating because I play that role in a lot of organizations. Mm. I walk in and I hold on to the people and I say, where are you at? What's going on? Who are you blaming all of your issues on? Mm-hmm. And how can you take responsibility for some of them? And where, where's your temptation to go dark with the power that you have? 
Um, so what does what's that mean? Sending you there. What does that Sorry. mean? Go dark. Yeah, go dark with the power you have. Um, I mean, I imagine you've seen some of this before. Um, we have pretty public examples of this. I mean, Olympic coaches using their power to do dark things. Mm-hmm. Um, not having anyone surrounding them that's checking on them in their interior life. So they end up um, abusing others, abusing their power. Mm-hmm. Um, those dictator coaches that you've talked about before, I think in other generations, that was pretty normal to have a coach that was you know, basically abusive just a dark figure that everyone was afraid of. And so they achieved in light of, in light of that darkness. Um, but we know that eventually that damages people and systems. Um, and so we also know that if we can harness a lot of that power before it goes dark, before it goes rogue, before it becomes dangerous, um, we can, we can channel it into like insane performance. Um, both professionally and, um, you know, physically, um, and some of the, you know, some of the most amazing people over time, if they were to really sit down and talk to you about when the darkness sort of like came to them or when their like worst tendencies, like were a temptation for them, that there were people in their life who pulled them back in and said, you're a powerful person and don't let it don't let it take you out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, harness that and bring it here. Um, and we all know examples of that when that hasn't happened, when that's when that's mm-hmm. gone badly for us. Um, I think that's a really important thing to talk about with people who are very powerful. When you have a lot of voice, um, when you have a lot of influence, using that power in a responsible way um, requires people and processes and disciplines and understanding of yourself um that is not impossible but um, well, and but it's really worth committing to and feedback right i mean extreme i, I tried to ask this previous times i listen i'm just going to say it because we have a long form now and i'm not this is not the best way to articulate it but at what point so there is a po- uh, let's say a leadership role or a leader that is working with a population they're trying to develop, right? Yeah, yes. Sometimes we'll call those the followers. And that's not an intent, like, I'm not trying to exercise power here. I just don't have a better word for it. Maybe you do, Kara. At what yeah, point- participants Participants. Or members or something students, like that, yeah. Students, like there is a, yeah. there is a, how do I want to put this? Being a good student is kind of a skill. It is a right? learner. Yeah. Yep. But, so when, at what point, how can you help a learner understand they're a shitty learner? And I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. And I, I can't think of a particular, uh, like with, I guess, yeah. Tiptoeing it without them kind of disappearing up their own ass. Yeah. And this isn't anyone in truly isn't anyone in particular, like on a grand scale. There's just, those are micro instances on like certain things, you know, and it's, it's never a really a common theme, but it would be great if there was like a code word, a way to approach a subject when you're telling, you can say like flamingo and they realize, Oh shit, I have to hit reset (laughs) and like, okay, I'm, I haven't emptied my cup or something like that. You know, like 
Yep. Hang on. You know, so I guess, I don't know if that's getting across right, but maybe you could help us yes. with that. No, we start out as like professional learners. I mean, you've got children, you know, this is true. They learn freaking everything we do. They learn it on, on the fly. They learn it fast and they retain it. They learn the bad words that we say. They learn the shit we do. They learn to mimic everything, right? Like little monkeys, like they mimic everything. And that's because we're wired to learn to learn fast, to retain all that. Through our life, we end up socialized out of a lot of that behavior. So um, we stop seeking learning and we start expecting to be taught. And we become shitty learners. Mm. And we walk into a place and we like a gym and we say, lay it on me. What do you have for me? How are you going to make me better? I'm going to stand here and you're going to wave your barbell wand and you're gonna like make me savage yeah it's like okay no (laughs) if someone walks into your gym and says i want to learn everything i am at zero like i'm a sponge um tell me what to read and i'll do it tell me how to move and i you know i will seek it um you know that tell me show me the way and i will go on it that's 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 how we become better learners, but we're awfully socialized to be shitty learners. And we just want to be taught. We just want to be an empty bank account and everybody just feed me. deposits all their wisdom. And yeah. somehow we become great. doesn't work. Learning is hard. It's baby, baby. We, we called it, um, previous before your time text, it was the baby bird, right? You sit in the nest, you have your mouth open and you're just like, Get, feed me, feed me. Just do it for, just, yeah. I don't want, oh, the, there's, chew it up for me, spit it in my mouth. Like yeah. every, <laughs> yes. just literally digest everything for me and then drop it in there. Yeah. And it, it, <laughs> uh, you, you totally struck a chord with Tex and I, like we, we had a harmonic, hmm, when you're like, people have forgot to, how to learn and expect to be taught. Right. Yeah. And I think, yep. you know, we're selfishly, we, cause here's, here's where this is where it's coming from. Some background. Like I said, we traveled around a long time teaching seminars, thousands of people, uh, hundreds of seminars. And that was always our, like our frustration is like, there was, there was something we couldn't put our finger on with when we would come out of this thing. Cause you'd have the, you'd have basically three different groups, right? The people who you, they, they just weren't even there. Like they were there, but yes. they weren't there. Then no. there was the people that learned, right? Okay. They were there yeah. to learn. Yeah. And then there's folks who were expected to be taught. And those were the most frustrating people because it was like, it was a selective, it's selective learning to like, teach me this specific thing that I don't know why I'm here because all the stuff that you're pushing at me doesn't agree with this side or this side, but some of it agrees here. So I'm just going to battle this. And that's, I guess that's kind of like the teach me mentality versus the hang on what we, we've been saying like empty your cup, Bruce Lee. Right. Um, Yeah. And teach me. Yeah. So, well, and that teachers and learners, again, I mean, I'm going to go back to this like space between thing, but there mm-hmm. has to be some sort of contract between teachers and learners or coaches and coaches. And that's where the power with rather than the power over comes in. And that can be really nerve wracking for people. So, when I say to someone who wants to be coached by me or, you know, who's getting, you know, just got told to be coached by me or something <laughs> like that, um, where I really push to say, you know, I'm, I don't want to do this if you don't want to do this. Like, here's, here's the way that I want to be in relationship with you. Like, we're going to hesitate and hold back. So when you come to me and you're like, I have an asshole boss, what should I do? 
give me the four things I should do for my asshole boss. And I say like, okay, time out. Like, first of all, there are no four things to fix assholes. If that was the thing, we would have a lot more money because we could make a lot of money if we could fix assholes in this world, but we can't. I guess that answers my next question. Oh, shit. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Do I have a book on how to fix assholes? No, I don't. Not yet. <laughs> um, but that's, but that's I, the problem we're solving today. We're writing that book. <laughs> oh, right go. on. Yes, good. I mean, the prob- the the best way to solve an asshole is to to like figure yourself out and author your own way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's blaming assholes. You could do that all day and twice on Sundays and whatever the saying is. But like, that's like no good at all to anybody to blame assholes. I mean, they're always going to be here. Those, they're like, they're like contagious, you know. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, um, but. my personal, I kill them with kindness and just keep moving forward. Like, that's kind of my thing. Yep. Unless I really don't like them, then I'll push back. I've seen you stomp some people. Who have I stomped? There was that one PE coach at that PE thing we did. Which guy? Ooh. Tell it. Come on. Which PE thing? Uh. When we were teaching PE middle school coaches how to move, and a guy was starting to argue toes out versus toes forward, I don't know. Oh, that one. Oh, you just in that one when we were on stage? Yeah, huh. literally. First off, I didn't stomp that guy. I gave him a a firm hug, a bear hug. Yeah, but, of... but but were your toes out or toes forward when you stomped him? That's what uh, I wanted when you hugged him. Oh, they were toes forward, hundred percent. That's the only way I hug. So it was a bear hug of information. <laughs> With a firm squeeze at the end. So you you didn't stomp him, you suffocated him. <laughs> With toes uh, forward. But okay, fine, asked and answered. That's fine, but we I, can move forward. You have, You're absolutely you right. You are a lazy Susan, and then that hot sauce, the hot pepper hot was, pulled, the, it was pulled off the shelf for that individual at that one moment in time. Here's the thing, Tex, but I've anyone seen listening. I've seen the sugar. Mm-hmm. I guess oh, you just that called That was Cholula, that's what that was. But here's yeah. what you have to understand. You mess with my timeline... <laughs> during a seminar, you're going to get dealt with and fast forwarded. You can't just drag on my practicals. We have, a, we have this 22 minute practical. He was stretching it to 24. Can't do that. Not on my watch. That's how I run things. Now, Kara, I know what you're asking. How does text run things? He doesn't even care about the timeline. Well, as long as the information is delivered uh. in a retainable way. Mm-hmm. Mission accomplished. All right, barreling and forward. And this is an interesting question, right? Like, how often do you guys get to check in with your learners about how they want to learn, how they're learning, how it's going, you know? And, you know, and then do you see yourselves as learners in the process? I mean, most people who have, you know, achieved some measure of success have at least some of this figured out, right? That you are always learning. I mean, you're sitting on this podcast, you're, you know, allowing me to speak into your space. So obviously you have a a learning bone, you know, or whatever that you're looking to, you know, you're looking to learn, which is awesome. Learning from the people who think that they're only supposed to be learning from you is an interesting frame to flip. Yeah. Oh, it Um, is. And that, that kind of goes back to 10 minutes ago in terms of, you know, being expecting to be taught versus learning Mm -hmm. or learning's an exchange, right? It's an, it's, it's reciprocation. And the answer is, you know, our format's pretty interesting because a lot of it is push. It's just push because we've set it up to be consumed. Um, And people ask questions, but it's mostly Mm -hmm. content. It's content specific. And then when you ask somebody, 
you know, what did you think? Or what could we do better? What do you think the answers we get are? Yeah, they're not real. It's great. You know, oh, yep. it, it was perfect. And it's like, totally. you know, okay. Um, yep. Thank you. But we, we need some positively dissatisfied customers, which yes, is, do. which is okay. And I guess we get it from, we do get it. Listen, here's the thing. Here's, here's what's, there's probably a guy out there or two who are like, I've given you <laughs> feedback on something and you haven't changed it. Right. I can hear your refrigerator running in the background during the podcast. Stop saying the fuck word. Right. But there's just certain things like, Hey, I appreciate it. And yeah. we, we have heard it processed it and have, have calculated it as, as it hasn't been a limiting factor for us that not that well, it's, and you could separate yes, that. You could say that's right? like technical feedback, like your mics aren't good or something. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, the kind of feedback that you're looking for is like adaptive feedback. Yeah, it requires yeah. adaptation for you guys. It requires mm-hmm. evolution for you guys. It requires new learning and new space and new capacities for you guys. That's the kind of feedback you want to relentlessly pursue. Yes. And but I guess, that's the kind of feedback you don't want to hear either. I mean, that's uh, you have to I would build agree. the like relationship, and you gotta like. I mean, it's really hard to seek that feedback, um, especially for leaders. And it's, it's you know, really it's hard to get the people to trust you that you really want it. There Most have been don't believe you. Yeah, there have been times where we have gotten feedback, whether it's been, I, I guess, with I'll keep it vague. It we'll, we'll get feedback, and I read it, and like in a pit in my stomach, you get that pit in your stomach. Oh, yeah. and you're like, and that, and I'm like, that's what I, I'm always, that's when I know like, okay, there's, this is actionable, right? Cause you, yeah. you it's, it was, it was right there. And you're like, man, we, not that we fucked up, but how could we be so dense? You know? And I could think of one being, ah, I guess I'll just share it. We got a, we got a feedback from, on one of our seminars from CrossFit staff and okay. they, I was leaning casually on the rings, like popping a marker while John was lecturing, oh. you know, and like, who cares? Like, did it affect the learning experience? Probably not. John had people drawn in and sucked in. But the fact that I didn't know I was doing it was like, I'm a fucking, what a scrub, you know, what yeah. a donkey. And, and then from then on it, like, it just changed the way it, it changed the whole format of what we do when we're not on like you you are there you're casting your shadow to bring back what i was talking about earlier dialed in and it was just like man and then there was other shit in there that was like exactly what you said uh wasn't adaptable or adaptive feedback it was just kind of yeah. like whatever technical bs no the, when the feedback implicates you mm-hmm. that's the kind of feedback you want mm-hmm. and this is why this is why i love the film room I love the analogy of the film room. I love everything about the film room because the eye in the sky doesn't lie. So they can give you an excuse. That's right. right? Or they can give you uh, their uh, idea of what happened, their memory, right? Which may or may not be accurate of the play, but then we can see it. And then it's an opportunity then as from a sport coach perspective to re like map out the correct way to do things. And then like we, we like, saw NSW do, it was awesome. So it's a way that, yes, we're going to learn from our mistakes. We have to have that feedback to then correct it. But I I guess, and Luke and I had this conversation, leaders, right? If you're at the top, it's not often that you get called out to have then a mentorship session or saying, hey, what could I do right? So like when Luke and I are training together and outsiders come in, they don't necessarily provide us coaching feedback. Like we are not perfect movers 
and we are going to load uh, up. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're going to load up so that we fail and make mistakes because, again, you got to stress to progress. That's how we get better in terms of weightlifting speed and all that good stuff. So people come in and they don't give us feedback. We give each other feedback plenty, but um, we're almost testing almost visitors mm -hmm. to HQ to see, hey, are these guys going to call us out? Everything's a test. Quoting Luke Summers, everything's a test. Well, might, okay, so yeah, this is a good question. But... You're asking me how to teach leadership, right? Like yeah, this would yeah. be, a, this is a leadership moment for you guys, right? This is something you want to get better at. You know, you, it doesn't feel easy. It doesn't feel easy to get people to honestly give you the feedback that makes you adapt, that makes you evolve. You depend on each other to do it, right? You don't have an eye in the sky. Like you're not Bridgewater or whatever videotape every meeting and every class so you can like review it and be like argue about it or whatever, right? So that sounds awesome. What? <laughs> Record our arguments so we can argue about our arguments. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yes. <laughs> it's a thing. Write that Bo, down. Call Bo Colombo. <laughs> oh, we got a buddy. But anyway, sorry to cut you off, Kara. Go ahead. No, you're not cutting me off. We're good. This is the banter, the bits and banter. We're in it. That's it. Um, no, what I my question would be, um, what can you do? What can you set up in order to seek feedback better? You need to get better at seeking feedback if it's what you want. Yeah. You feel like it's going to make you better. How do you get better at seeking feedback? And I think there are a lot of ways to take that question. One would be, how do you structure relationships inside of what you're doing so that those people feel like they can do this, right? So the relationship can withstand negative feedback because they may have the perception that 100%. It, it won't, you know? That's, yeah. So that's one way to like crack, crack out at this. But my, my question stands, you know, what can you do to get better at getting feedback? What, well, I guess what we have done, not that this is, I guess, uh, good, is ask them, hey, what would you see? Or, hey, watch my lift, coach me up. Or in terms of uh, online education, hey, I need, I need, can you edit this? Or what's mm -hmm. the feedback do you have on this article, right, that, that one of us wrote and see if they come back, oh, that's great. Or... Hey, uh, you didn't use apostrophe S correctly. You forgot to dot your lowercase j's. Yeah, I guess what we do now. Well, I'm not. That's what no. we're doing. It's not right. I don't because. No, it's right. It's 100% right. It's just not yeah, working. Everything is not right or wrong. <laughs> Everything's just early. Mm -hmm. Like it's just early. You're going to get later and later. You know, you're going to mm -hmm. like grow it larger and larger. Yeah. So I guess the first thing is ask, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and then on, so we would ask, it started off with asking and not knowing, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I don't know how was it. Oh, it was great. And you're like, okay, was you hear you hear that, know. and then you're like, there's no yeah. fucking way. So then yeah. it becomes the sneak attack. You do something wrong and ask how it was, and they say, oh, it was great. And you go, no, it wasn't. I know it wasn't because I made it not great. Right? Did you catch my not greatness? It's yeah. A test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it always is. If it's not great, it's a test. Ah. <laughs> All right. But um. In, also I mean, a good way to cover your mistakes. Yeah. Oh, I did that on purpose. That was a learning moment. <laughs> Don't give Luke any ammo. <laughs> oh, we're going to hear that for the rest like of the year. Like I haven't been using that this whole oh. decade. Um, <laughs> so that's, and then honestly, Kara, that's about as far as we've gotten in the yep. feedback, okay. like a pursuit because probably lack of creativity and experience and, and maybe a little bit of bandwidth and capacity. Right. Um, but. Okay. So can I offer you a question? Yeah, Totally that you can use. Um, I use this question, so I don't give it lightly. It's a tough question. 
And, um, and I only give it to the relationships that I know are sturdy enough to like withstand it. And that is, um, what's the one thing or the couple of things I usually use one thing, like what's the one thing that if I got better at it, I would get better. Mm -hmm. I would be better. I would be better to be in relationship with. I would be better at my craft. I would be easier to be around. I would be easier to love, um, that, that I would sort of just soar. Mm -hmm. And, um, and usually the first five answers to that question are total bullshit. Okay. Um, I'm looking for answers like, you know what? Sometimes you're just not consistent with me. And I don't, I don't know when you're going to be there for me and when you're not. And when you are, you're totally there. But when you're not, you're really not. That's the kind of thing that implicates me in, you know, three words or less. And, and I know that's a very real issue. Mm -hmm. That's a business issue. That's a friendship issue. That's a leadership issue. That's a family issue, right? Like I can see where all the ways that permeates. But that's going to take somebody five answers. So you, it's on me to like stay with the question. Mm-hmm. Right. What's what are the but bullshit responses? The bullshit I, responses. I, I don't know, Luke. Let's see. <laughs> I bet you have some. <laughs> no, what's Luke? What's the one thing that if you got better at, you would Bro, be better? It's real Me, right or now. I'm asking. I'm answering for myself. I'm asking Aaron, you no. to answer for myself or for you. No, no, no. Don't answer for me. I have I, a few. Ash, Ash has already given me the five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I like I, I'm the worst at that because I was when were we talking? Here's a here's an analogy. Maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't, but I'm I've got fucking fifty thousand pictures saved in my photo account, right? I never go back and look at them. Why would I want to? I don't know. They're there, but I want to have them there. But I'm not the guy who like I just don't do a good job of looking back and reflecting. I'm more of a forward, like just forward progress. I don't know. That's we're here now. Let's go that way. Um, and all that. How does that not, show up in your relationships? I don't know. I get see because I, I I guess I just haven't thought about it. Um, it might not. It but might it not. Might. But I I can't. I think I'm generally likable. I don't know. I can be a pain in the ass sometimes. They call me the cornucopia of emotion, right? So it's like if, if I'm dealt a shitty day and sh- I'm just moving forward with it rather than trying to adjust it and recalibrate, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I guess it would, it, it would come out in that sense. Yeah, Tex, you're, you're around me. We're literally work wives. I love that. Work husbands? That seems I love little... you guys. I love your marriage. <laughs> I love your marriage. Let's take care of it. We're going to take good care of it. But so I guess that that's how I think it could come out. It could mm-hmm. show itself in like in a in in that type of relationship. Because mm-hmm. interestingly enough, too, like we are such a close knit company. All we do, yeah. I'm not trying to be like this isn't oh woe is me, but all we do is this stuff. We love it, like the immersion, yeah. right? So we're always around each other, and if we're not around each other, we're chatting with each other. It's, it's like and Ashley, my fiance, like I'm always like it's just a we're very close dynamic uh, group of individuals. So it's like, it's always on. So. <clears throat> I think Luke or get going deep. I think Luke and I are opposite in that. I start, start off hard. You start off easy to get along with. And then like, as relationship grows with Luke, 
his he expects more of you, right? Mm-hmm. Which it does get challenging, but in a good way. Like I'm not mad at hey you, you, constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. And then um, I don't know. I get easier to get along with after you get to know me. But I don't mm-hmm. know. So I so guess. we're like peanut butter and jelly. Jam, I think more like peanut butter and jam, <laughs> but uh, what's the difference? Well, so one way to do this is to model it together to let other people see the way that you do this for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like you're in a good place of doing this, you know, like you guys, you're under, you've got, you know, you know, relationship capital is high, you know, mm-hmm. like your bank account is high, balance is good, you know, like you can draw down off it and it doesn't hurt it. You don't get into the red or whatever, bouncing checks, you know, mm-hmm. um, you want that to be the IOUs. <laughs> IOUs, yeah. You, you better hold on to that one. <laughs> Wait, I still have checks. Like, how can I not have any more money? Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, you know, the ways that you do this for one another saying like, look, this thing like needs to get better or you're not going to, you're not going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, this makes it hard. You know, this makes us like work around stuff because of this thing, you know, um, and then making that available to work. Um, that would, that would model for others. Yeah. I see the, what, you're what they probably think is just like a magical partnership like oh my gosh those guys are just perfect for each other it's like mm-hmm. well okay you probably are but you also probably work a lot at it and some True. of it's intuitive and some of it's not and you know some and, of it's commitment yeah the, the job is fun but it ain't easy and we've mm-hmm. i guess put people in a position to develop or bring them along and then maybe they only saw the the bits and banter mm-hmm. yep. and missed out on the immersion the obsession yep. with the information Mm-hmm. And then they saw, as soon as they were faced with it, yeah, shut down. Yep. But no, it's interesting stuff. I mean, this is how relationships become broken. This is how relationships end. This is how businesses blow up. This is how, because people have a hard time finding one another or finding ways to give feedback or growth, you know, experience growth together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one of the edges for me in my own sense of development is, you know, how do I like get better at like growing together? Um, like I can do my own growth and like you can do your own growth and I coach people to do their growth. But like, how do we do that in a way that's together? Because I think there's stuff we learn and there's stuff we experience when we try to intentionally do it together. So, you know, Luke, you're on your own journey and you're growing as a leader and as a thought leader and you know, text, you're doing similar things, right? You're growing as a leader, as a thought leader, as a teacher, coach, you know, all that. Now, like what's, when the two of you come together, you know, what's going on there? Like, how's that growing? How is that changing? What's the next evolution of that? And I don't just mean like, you know, in a business sense or in the podcast sense or whatever, but it's like, how is what you're doing together making each of you better? Um, you know, well, does it have your to? relationship is for the sake of something better? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, otherwise, it, what are you working for? I does mean, it have to? I guess if just it, it make it it makes sense, but why not question it, right? Oh why yes, should, please. Why should why should I have to put all that effort into getting text better? Why should he have to? Why can't we just fucking do our own thing and go? I mean, that's status quo, right? That's mm-hmm. how we're at right now. Everybody is doing their own thing. They either get better or they don't, and they're the on their own wolf. journey. 
the lone wolf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, it's better when you show up better to me, I'm like, that's, it's good. You're easier to be with and whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're going to evolve relationships or partnerships to another level, then that thing has to sort of be a new third thing. You know, you've got, you've got text, you've got Luke, and then you've got like Luke text or whatever, you know? And that thing will become really meaningful if it can figure out what its purpose is. If you can figure out like when we're together, this is, we're on purpose and we'll, we'll tell you about it. We'll tell you what it requires. We'll tell you, tell you how it benefits our community to have us better together. Um, I mean, I think this about most every relationship and it's pretty Mm -hmm. controversial, but it's sort of like I'm married and, um, and I, I, I firmly believe that my marriage like is for the sake of other things other than just making me happy. Um, and giving security to like my husband and I and to our children. That's just a really myopic vision and purpose for a family system. So I really believe that like our marriage is like for the sake of greater things and it makes me better. It makes my husband better. And, you know, we always need to be like checking at that standard. Like it needs to be at that reaching for that standard that this is better for the community because we're together. I'm better in the world because we're together. Mm-hmm. My kids are better off because we're together. So let me press this then. Uh, does it have to be a duality? I mean, there's a there's a group dynamic. I mean, what what if it's a trio? What if it's four? Oh, yeah. What if it's five? I'm totally in, yes. Yes. It's really hard to do, especially now. But I think in the future, like going forward, like we're totally headed there. I love mm-hmm. trios. I think trios are a fascinating way to build in this like feedback intention mm-hmm. because what you're talking about, the pairing thing is like, it's pretty easy to have one person relent and one person lead or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, just to not upset things, but you, you add a third leg to that and it's automatically redistributed like, uh, without balance. Mm-hmm. Wild card. Um, yeah. It's wild card. <laughs> exactly. It's like, crazy eights or something. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking about building like as teams grow, more yeah. more members obviously more members are introduced and you yes. rely you it just can't be that that that's really good dual dynamic you need to or maybe it's just constant two-way i don't know no, it's really good to set off equilibrium you don't want mm-hmm. things to remain in equilibrium because it doesn't grow change evolve mm-hmm. right there's always some opposing force that comes in to change or evolve or or create resistance or adversity so like, who's y'all's trio? That's the next question for you. Who's your third, who's your third wheel? You know, it was this girl named Callie, but she selfishly moved away to be a cop in Seattle. Now all she does is produce her podcast. So, ah. you know, we'll ship this audio off to her and then she'll yes. laugh at most of it. I'm thinking. And then her own jokes. And then, Kara, no, Kara, I'm just this, Kara, this sounds awfully a lot like the Fast and Furious series oh, formula. It is. Are it started off with the duality. Two precision drivers. Two precision drivers. And then and who then comes in? Tyrese. No, <laughs> Agent Luke Hobbs. <laughs> the fucking He rock. came before the rock. Tyrese. No, Tyrese wasn't the third guy. Tyrese Have is a donkey. Have you seen Too Fast, Too Furious? Yeah. Oh, he's out now. <laughs> yeah, there's bad blood. But now we got Kurt Russell. We're like a, a nine-headed monster. <laughs> I know, there's too many uh, people in that show, man. No, Dude, there's not. It's perfect. gone it's perfect. on too long. But I guess, you know, this this has been a killer fucking episode, Tex. I don't know if you still have questions queued, but I, I, just I, I want a map for the obvious. I mean, if people are still tuned in, like this, 
this is so, this is so fucking valuable because here's who's listening, right? There are there our listeners are predominantly male male listeners, about 60-70% who are either family members, small business owners, right? And like what okay. a great set of fucking of advice that is abs- is so critical for growth and having a growth mindset or maybe realizing you're not in that growth mindset that mm-hmm. you're you've been happy with the status quo and like to to take Adam Nelson's analogy and what we're talking about here Kara is like yeah. you, if you start to ride the rails and add a little like get some feedback and like things that kind of stress it right. the only thing that comes from that is some sort of growth and it might not yes. be easy but that's you're talking family you're talking business you're talking partnerships you're talking whatever like the growth should be the objective in my opinion um in the long term on a, sh- maybe not in a short term, but in the long term, that should be the objective. Right. So it has been fucking yes. killer, but Tex, what else do we got? Again, um, teaching leadership. Mm. So, um, you have a, a group of students every single semester and there must be a beginning and there must be a conclusion, a final in which you lead them to. So I'm just curious, where do you begin your course? And then what is that big picture point that you lead your students to? This is going to be a non-technical question because, spoiler alert, as I've already sort of let you in on, when I teach, it's really I'm I'm having to teach people how to learn mm-hmm. before I ever teach them any content. And that's a really high task um, to help people realize how socialized they are and how oppressing that is. Um, to have always been a learner in that, you know, old fashioned way. Um, but that, you know, liberating my students to become learners rather than those who are taught or something, um, is really an effort at like achieving my own liberation as a learner. And, um, there's a lot of pressure for professors and teachers and coaches to know everything. And, um, it, it leads to a lot of hubris and a lot of disconnection and, um, you know, just plain old pride and weirdness in teachers and coaches, um, that, that they're the experts and that they ought to just download, you know, to the world. Um, it, it makes them hard to be in relationship with, um, makes them people that you don't want to follow. Um, and so if, you know, if I can, set a different standard for that um, and invite invite my students into the process of learning together and developing together, then, you know, that's what I want to do. Um, that doesn't mean that I, you know, haven't studied for years and years and years and I know all the right books to, you know, challenge someone's mindset and, you know, invite them to different frameworks and good questions and that kind of stuff. That's what I view my role as, which is why I like to call myself a coach. Um, you know, I literally am one and, um, but I, I probably teach more like a coach, um, than like a traditional teacher. So Mm -hmm. in a leadership course, there's a lot of great theory and there's all kinds of cool practices and frameworks. I, um, I challenge students to as quickly as possible, make application of all of them. Like what's useful, what works, what catches your ego, what catches your narrative and finds the flaws in it. Um, what brings you to a place where 
you stop feeling like who you have to be in the world is different than who you actually feel like you are. Um, because the distance between those two things is excruciating and it just gets bigger and bigger as you mature in the world. Um, so, you know, if you can start to bring those two things closer, whatever theory or questions or framework brings you to the, to that question faster, um, is, is what I want to introduce. Um, and those are the people I want to be in relationship with. And, um, and my, my, my semesters, I mean, my students kind of tease me, but like they never end because I end up in relationships with my students, um, that are really meaningful. So, you know, Logan is a great example of this. Um, but I have other people who are my, you know, former students and we come into relationship around these types of issues and it changes their lives and it changes my life and it creates a whole new thing between us, um, a learning space. And, and I think we need more of that in the world. Um, that's my teaching philosophy pretty much. <laughs> so maybe greater knowledge of self and, um, more, you know, more ability to connect with important others, mm -hmm. um, to become a better version of myself. I think that those, that loops, that loop is just always there. Having that skill that's trainable, that's teachable, that's replicable. Yeah. And you can get better and better and better at that. You know, Tex, the loop you were working with for a while, and I don't know where it went or where why it started, but was like the learn, unlearn, relearn. Oh, yeah. Is that where you're going? Oh, good. There. Yeah, love it. Right? And I think there's a fl we flesh that out a little bit uh -huh. in the sense of like, uh, and it's going back to just know, like knowing, maybe the fixed mindset is working in on this too, is understand, you know, yeah. understand when you are not unlearning. Like you need yeah. to unlearn. Doesn't mean yep. forget. Nope. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean dismiss. It just means unlearn for a second. Yep. You know, and I, I mean, these are all triggers. And it, it, the sooner you can be more aware, like you're talking about, Kara, and yes. just say, I don't know. Okay. And this actually, I hope this is okay. But Tex, you were talking earlier about the developmental stages. So stage of uh, stages of adult development. This goes to that. Okay, so that that was going to be, I guess, the the next question lead in. So I, I stumbled upon one of your papers, and it's included the developmental stages of adult growth or yeah. action logics. Yep. And this all uh, this screamed, I guess, at a lot of the teammates' personalities that I had, and um, I mean these are pretty pretty intense. In terms of if you identify a characteristic, then we have the developmental action that you want to take. Uh, would you mind walking us through, I guess, with this model and then how it can be applicable to teaching and coaching? Yep. Um, so the quick, the quick history on this is most people who studied any kind of like education or anything in, in, or psychology in, in, um, high school or, or undergrad studies would have taken a, um, childhood development course and, or people are familiar with that at least. So like, you know, my five-year-old, you know, she, she sees like a bunch of, you know, little cars from an airplane or something. And she's like, look at all these tiny cars or something. Right. And it's like, well, as you grow, you realize like those aren't tiny cars, right? <laughs> like they're, they're cars that are far away and your eye is telling you that they're small, but they're not, but whatever, you know, so you get more and more complexity as you grow as a child. And so you see your children, you know, or you see other children, you're like, 
developing this, these levels of awareness. They start to identify with the feelings of others. Whereas before their whole world was like, well, it's my feeling. Like if I'm sad, everyone's sad. Um, and then they start to realize, well, I can be sad and that person can be happy. Um, and that it goes on from there. Right. So like if I'm sad and someone else is happy, it's not because they're trying to be like an enemy to me or something like they're disqualifying my sadness because of their happiness. Now we can both coexist, right? Like not many people achieve this level of maturity, (laughs) but, um, but what we've learned too now is that after you turn 18, you know, you're not just like magically mature your, you know, psychology and your neurology continues to develop and mature and be able to tolerate more and more, you know, versions of confusion or paradoxes. So things that feel like they make each other untrue or they're two sides of, you know, an equation or something. It's like, yeah, but guess what? What if they're two sides of the same coin? You know, like your strength is your liability or your liability becomes your strength or what, you know, that whole idea. Um, we know that this is, you know, we can track this through adulthood. So a bunch of people have given um, names to these new stages and the capacities that people can gain as, as they grow along these stages. And so, you know, you're thinking of like people that you know that kind of exemplify each of these stages, right? And so we won't name them on air, but... Um, I think they love the airtime. Oh. Just a bunch of college buddies. <laughs> okay. They do okay. listen to this, so... Oh. What's wrong with them? We got ten listeners. Yeah, I, you know, I found out some of my. Okay, well, we have we have nine stages, so okay. let's go for it. <laughs> uh, no, so like we we call them like earlier and later stages, and that's basically that people have greater and greater capacity to see paradox, to have you know, to see multiple perspectives, to have a growth mindset more often to be less triggered in the moment by things that maybe used to have you like in their grip, you get, it gets looser and looser. Um, and so, you know, one of the, one of the most important things, um, about using these stages, which again, it's just another framework that explains observations about what, how people are, people are very patterned. Um, but it's only as useful, you know, as it is useful. And if it helps you, have compassion for the the kind of sense that someone else is making of their experience, then it's useful and then it's good. Um, if it, if it leads you into the place of like judging others, like you're such an opportunist on this or whatever, you know, language you want to use Kate, then that's not helpful, right? It's not useful. So, so, you know, resisting using it as a labeling system, but rather as a place that like, leads you to a compassionate place of understanding a bridge that you can find with someone on an issue that feels just intractable or impossible, right? Like we can't solve this thing. It's like, can we go back to the way that we make sense of the world? And maybe that's different. Um, And can we find each other there? So that's what the developmental stages do in my practice and, and for my students. And Seba talks about, you know, as you, as you grow into later stages, um, you become better and better at operating in ways that we would probably call, you know, in popular terms, like em- emotionally intelligent ways. Um, or, you know, we would be able to challenge authority without ruining our own reputation um, or writing ourselves out of the story because we're disrespectful or something. 
Um, and so this goes all the way up into like the latest stage. I mean, the people that they use to describe the latest stage was, which they can call it like unitive or alchemical or something is are people like Gandhi or people who move entire social systems for good. Um, but they usually do it with great difficulty and oftentimes they lose their lives. So sometimes Martin Luther King Jr. is a person that people point to or Jesus or Gandhi or um, uh, Nelson Mandela, right? Like so social level influence and leadership and that they're able to hold the pressure of changing an entire society or system or globe. Um, most of us you know, are not going to reach that level, but it is interesting to see as we grow and as we pay more attention to our mindset and how many perspectives we can hold, like that it is, it is available for us to change our communities, to change our, you know, our systems that we represent. And you see people doing this pretty often. I mean, leading their industry, changing the, changing the status quo. Um, adult development helps us understand what's required to do that and how to explain how that happens and, and build capacity. So I guess looking at, uh, looking at the list, where do most people get caught up? Is it at the impulsive mm. or the opportunist when they, they still only see themselves and kind of take, 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 where do most people, I guess, cap out? Supposedly it's getting later as we evolve. But we might beg to differ lately because the people who re represent us and the people who we like vote in and stuff are like not doing a great job of showing us the range of this spectrum, <laughs> the upper range of the spectrum. So, um, yeah, I think it's very difficult for people to move past achiever, which is um, places where like managers can go like I can manage other people right? That's a, that's a task of like, I can be in charge of other people. I can think outside my own box to some extent. Um, I can, uh, respond to other people's goals and see how my goals connect with, uh, with those goals. Um, and I can recruit other people in, in joining me in that. Like I can help them see how their goals match the organization's goals or the, the larger goals. Um, the trouble is that even at that stage, we're still like really easily triggered. Um, and we don't have a hold of that. We don't have perspective on that. So you can't sort of get outside yourself and sit on the balcony and kind of watch yourself getting reactive. That's a skill that, that pushes, you know, some people into a more, unconventional place to, to a, a later stage and more capacity where they can sit on a balcony and think, why in this moment am I triggered by this? What's at stake for me? Like, what am I defend? I see myself defending here. What am I defending? What do I see as my loss that I'm trying to prevent from happening? Um, that's a really big skill mm -hmm. that a lot of people never get invited to. Um, but it, it requires humility. It requires perspective. It requires trusting others, you know, and it requires laying down some power. Like we talked about earlier. Um, if you can get up to that place and you have the people around you and the drive to, to really learn this, um, there's no reason why you can't do it. 
um, and, and, see, and life gets better when you're less in the grip of it. Tex, <clears throat> and I think this is an opportune moment to remind yeah. you about the galactic calendar. That uh, what? <laughs> nothing matters. I don't agree with that. That doesn't what? mean it's, and, uh, it just so doesn't matter. Luke, Luke just. I watched an episode. Corporate. Maybe this is the corporate. No, you need to. freaking squeeze the light. You're triggered. You. See? You're triggered. You're I am triggered. Being very <laughs> triggered. You're being triggered. Luke knows that my button Listeners. is when he says that nothing matters because I truly believe that it matters. Mm-hmm. Let me explain. So, Kara, I was watching mistakenly, hungover on a Sunday. Eye roll. Look at I think the eye it was, roll. I think it was after like point a, that out. Yeah, Tex had a monster eye roll and a deep belly sigh. <laughs> but uh, and Logan was a part of this discussion as well because Logan, Tex, and I visited Callie, oh. the, the third leg of the stool who abandoned us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we went to visit her in in Seattle, and I think it was like a couple, a month or so after I'd watched Cosmos, like hungover after going to a buddy's wedding or bachelor party or something. <laughs> and it's the new Cosmos with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and I think Seth Seth MacFarlane's in on it. And it was they called it the, the episode was called Galactic Calendar, right? And uh, uh, yeah, and they mapped out what you know what astrophysicists have determined the the existence of life to be from the big bang if you're a believer in that to yeah. where we're at now right yeah and they yeah. they plotted this timeline and they scaled it to be a 31 day like month view the galactic month or maybe okay. it was a year <laughs> is it a year maybe uh, regardless regardless um but what they what it came down to is the existence of mankind right oh, that yeah. as we recognize it is no longer than the flap of a hummingbird's wings on, oh, yeah. uh, in terms of the galactic, yeah, it's like, no, it's so minuscule, it's nothing, nothing yes. right? It's not, and yeah. listen, we may, I know we have a, a, a listener who's uh, hit us up and, you know, he's, he doesn't, he has a different belief system and, uh, you know, the, the timeline is not nearly as expansive, but regardless, even if we take a 5,000 years, okay, yeah. but, it's nothing. Okay. It's mi- so the decision you make now re- relative to the galactic calendar truly means nothing. <laughs> it's I, a flat. How concerned rejoinder, are you? It rejoinder. Means, it means everything. Uh huh. And that's my point: is the fact that it means nothing is why it means everything. No, I rest my case. Not, that makes no <laughs> sense. That makes no sense. No. Well, because I am. I'm an alchemist, and you're just stuck. Oh, impulsive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I using it right, Kara? No, come back. Text, no, come back. I'm going to strategically map out an argument for this because I'm a strategist. <laughs> I won't claim to be an alchemist. <laughs> no, but going back to, I guess, earlier in which Kara was talking about uh, a relationship, right? And, and you're using your, your marriage. We, you are yeah. together to, because you want to make a difference. You want to be a change. This is bigger than mm-hmm. the two of them or the individual because this matters. So if our mission is essentially to empower performance or take people where they cannot take themselves and make power athlete a freaking household name, then every decision that we make, every podcast that we do, do it matters Mm -hmm. because we never know who is listening. It could have this be their moment in which they decide I'm going to stand up for this, or I'm going to make a change to make this happen, or I'm going to do this to, make a sacrifice for my 15 year old kids so that they, they can be something somewhere because maybe this is not the opportunity. Everything we do is an opportunity to have an impact on the world. So 
I believe every flap of a hummingbird's wing as it exists right now in this moment matters. Mm. So you can have your view and then I'll have a, the correct view. Yeah. Right. So let me oh just go. Oh my God. No, it's both. Okay. So I'm <laughs> going to be the third leg right now. Right. So I'm going to tie all this together in this like beautiful way. Right. I'm going to be the hummingbird. This Do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 um, no. But I think in a way you're both right. Okay. You want to hold on loosely so that you have the freedom and agility to move and flex and be fluid with what occurs, with what you feel called to, with what people are calling forth from you, from what you guys feel internally is like your thing, right? So you want to stay fluid. And in that regard, make sure that nothing really matters too much so that you can move it, so that you can shift it, so that you're free. Um, and, you know, text, thank you for the reminder that like everything is meaningful. Everything means something. We're making sense of it as we go. And I mean, the place you guys take up in the world has to be well-crafted. Um, you know, people are bullshit detectors. So, mm. you know, the, the deeper that you guys go, the more you expose what you really believe, what really works for you, what has really changed you, caused transformation in you, the more believable and valid you become. So I'm you right. have a lot of credibility. Mm -hmm. I'll say that you have a lot of credibility, which means you've achieved great things. You both are elite, you know, See? blah, yeah. blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Your believability is what you're building now mm -hmm. that you really do what you say, that you believe what you, you know, are bringing to the world that other people have this experience of you. That's true. That is integrated. You know, it has integrity um, and, and, and that's how you'll grow. I mean, yeah. That's when people believe you for what you are, for what you say, that's now, how you grow. Because it matters. Nothing matters. Um, no. <laughs> nothing and everything matters. So everything is everything. So here, Everything's here is everything. what, so let me go you ahead and Neil deGrasse Tyson for that. And here is the follow-up on <laughs> this discussion is simply uh -huh. like, that is just a lens that I've looked through and it was like, wow, that was scary. Like, let's get out of here. Cause at the same time I can say that and then go, you know, you can kind of see my kitchen back here, Kara, go yeah, to yeah. grab a fork for lunch and realize the little forks are on the left today and they were on the right last week. What the fuck <laughs> just happened here? And like, and then I have this lens, you know? And like, so I, I'm not saying like I'm all seeing or, but like, it's just, I think they're interesting thought exercises to go through. And I was really Great. pitching hard on the galactic calendar in Seattle after a couple of drinks, after a ball game. And like, <laughs> it started to grind everyone's gears. And I'm like, this is kind of fun. Yeah. And I know for him as well, but it, I think it was only grinding, uh, maybe Logan and I's gears, but Callie was all in. She was like, then dropping at all the stages on the calendar <laughs> and the exact dates in which they yeah. occurred. Um, <laughs> Um, well, and what is at stake? I mean, and it's different for different people. So mm -hmm. like Tex, you know, like the way that he sees the world is through like meaning, mm -hmm. right? Like what meaning does this have? Like we want to believe that our moves are meaningful. Like it would be really intolerable to think that my moves in this world didn't mean anything, that they were going to get lost in the shuffle, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
And so that's really important. That's a really important place for people to hold. And Luke, I mean, maybe it's for you, it's more important to say like, look, I don't want the pressure or the weight of the world on my every fucking move. So tell me I've got some sort of wiggle room here or like, it's not all on me, you know, that not every move matters, right? Yeah. Like holding, like loving each other in the way that you stand and the way you make sense of things. Like that's, that would be such a gift to each other. I'm not, it's not going to happen. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm done. I'm <laughs> but out. I guess going back to it, that those are, you know, it's interesting <laughs> to bounce back and forth between there because I think like it is also fair to say being able to switch those two on and off, mm-hmm. maybe not sele- if you could select it, like if they're yeah. in a moment you go, you, you take on this within a, the, the paradigm of a project or an initiative or a family matter, yes. or you go every, every flap of the hummingbird's wing does matter. But if you, I just don't know that that's a sustainable way to, to exist. So well, having, being able to take the galactic vacation and be like, eh, you know, go into nihilism mode every once in yeah. a while, uh, I think is a, can be a way to recharge batteries, but maybe that's also a capacity issue, right? Where there or, are, there are people who are switched on all the time and smashing it. Now, are they happy? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but who am I to say? Like, just again, going back to my athletic career, I was too obsessed. And then that, I don't know. I had I had success, but I didn't have as much fun as I probably could have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, D3 All-Star? Eh, matters. Everything matters. It did. But. Did it really? I don't know. Applying the same perspective to then my athletes versus my teammates, mm-hmm. not as successful. Well, and it's even if you just hold the question. If you just sit in the question, it will not drive you wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. what does this mean? How much does this mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Invite other people to that question. I'm about to make a move. Here it is. This is how I'm laying it out. Get in here, put your eyes on this. Does this mean too much to me? Is this not meaning enough? Am I not taking it seriously enough? I mean, you're clicking the whiteboard pen at the side. It's like my interpretation of you doing that is like, does this not mean anything to you? This right. is just the flap of a hummingbird's wing. Like get in the game, yeah. asshole. I paid to be here, mm-hmm. right? Well, That's that, one that side guy of this. It could be, it could be, right? 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you stay in the question, how can it send you wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Has you checking in with yourself. It has you checking in with others. And you may get some negative feedback, which we were trying to figure out how to get to earlier, right? Yeah, bingo. Talk to me about what you see in me right now. Mm-hmm. Deep shit, man. Deep like shit. Deep thoughts <laughs> by Jack Handy. This is a galactic shit. I'm glad. Have I aired the galactic calendar thought on this podcast before? I'm bound to have. Uh, just, it was, yeah, because not that it matters. <laughs> <laughs> galactic calendar. Mm-hmm. Is it right or wrong? Well, it is. It just Both. is. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what Luke's Christmas present was from Mr. Logan. <laughs> it wasn't what it was a galactic calendar. I didn't quite understand no, it, it because was it like a globe or a spiral or something? No, it was, it was a, a flat. <laughs> it was flat like the globe. Mm-hmm. No, flat like the earth. <laughs> oh, uh, flat no, like it, the earth. It was okay. a flip calendar and it was it was a complex time like calendar system I really dug into for a little bit, but it just didn't. I couldn't get behind it and I really wanted to out of spite and be like, yeah, I only, I only operate off the galactic calendar. That's all I do. These months in this, this Aztec calendar or whatever it is, uh, I don't get it, you know, but I I didn't, I couldn't do it. Didn't, didn't do it. I still have it though. (laughs) 
You so. could get a glow-in-the-dark version, put it on your ceiling or something, <laughs> and really like really send yourself into the stratosphere. It. It's going. But uh, no, no, no. Well, Kara, I, I think I'm like we're coming up kind of around that two-hour mark. Um, that, we solve all happen. of your problems. I think I think we did solve all the problems. What we what we do I'm know so is this glad. was this is a fucking awesome chat. And I hope I hope you had a great time as well. Yes, I know Tex and I selfishly are like feel pretty fulfilled. We're gonna hang up and we're gonna say that was fucking awesome. She was an all star, <laughs> absolute Good. savage. Logan for once did not disappoint. You know, <laughs> for once. <laughs> <laughs> I'll guess I'll follow him. I no, I'm glad he set us up you, on our trio you, date here. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah, third leg. You've replaced third Callie. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Callie, you're out. <laughs> but uh, Tex, is there anything else? that we wanted to cover before we call it quits today. Uh, reach the end of my questions, but I mean this, there's a lot to process and reflect mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Luke is not a reflector. No, I've got, reflector. I've got it all processed and stored. I'm a slow thinker. He's a fast forgetter. Forgetter. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I yes. don't know. We got to so do Kara, this at some point. Yeah. Kara, what, um, wh- so people are probably like enamored with the talk mostly because of, you know, <laughs> me and text. No, I'm just kidding. What, where do we point people yeah, if, they so want, if, if they want to learn more about you? How can they get yeah. in touch with you if that's even a thing? Um, like what, what is, what's next for them if they want more? If you want to schedule with me, I'm on the galactic calendar. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. good luck with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, on Instagram, I'm at a developmental coach. You can follow me there. My website is inquiryp.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y-P.com for inquiry partners. As you can see, I'm really into partnership. I'm really into inquiry, asking the questions, staying in the questions, staying curious. So inquirypartners.com and my email is Kara, C-A-R-A, at inquiryp.com. Awesome. And we'll we'll link all that up to people. So click through if you need more info. But I think that's it. It's over. It's all Woo! over. And now we go into our morning show. Okay. This is bits and what is it again? Bits, bits and, and bacon. Banter. Bits and banter <laughs> with bacon and eggs. With bacon and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, people. Thank you for listening. That is the. Did we mention that Power Athlete Radio is the premier podcast in strength and conditioning? Ing. Ing. I think we fucked that up, didn't we? Well, it is now. Listen, people. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, you know what we haven't shamelessly requested is five stars on whatever you listen to or four or three. I, you know, not that it even matters. Just give us a rating. And if you think you have what it takes to give us some feedback that will trigger change, I bring it. Send it to Callie at powerathletehq.com and she, totally. will filter, she will determine whether or not you're worthy or not. And that's it. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. What an incredible episode and talk with Dr. Kara Miller. It's obvious that she's given us a lot to think about in how we interact in our social and professional circles. So thank you to her for that. Seems like she gave Tex and Luke the gift of some sort of like next level consciousness in their work-wife relationship. Not that it matters at all, obviously, according to the galactic calendar, which thank you for bringing up, Luke. Nothing really gets me revved up like talking about how minuscule our existence is in the galactic calendar. It's like my fucking birthday every time I hear it. Not that birthdays even matter, of course. Until next time, bye!